Welcome back to the boy from Splendora, Texas. The Rabbits, 1979, Episode 5. Before I knew it, September had arrived. It was September 3rd, 1979, Labor Day, and the last day of freedom for me and Virgil before school began on Tuesday. Wallace, Mama shouted from the kitchen. Time to get up and let the chickens out. Can I sleep in just a little while longer? I asked. This is my last day before school starts. Go let the chickens out, Mama replied. Do I need to wake Virgil up? I asked. Yes, tell him to get ready for breakfast, Mama answered. Virgil, I said as I put my jeans and shirt on. It's time to get up. Nothing happened. Virgil, get up, I said as I put my shoes on. Still, nothing happened. I walked over to Virgil's bed and shook him. Get up, I said. Mama's making breakfast. What? Virgil stammered. Get up, I said as I left the room. I walked through the living room through the utility room, and out the back garage door, and headed to the chicken yard. I let the chickens out and checked their food and water. When I returned to the house, Virgil was sitting at the kitchen table. On a plate in front of him were two over-easy eggs, two pieces of toast, and two pieces of bacon. I ran to the bathroom to wash my hands, and when I returned, an identical plate was sitting at my place. Boys, Mama began, Yes, ma'am, we said. I have two things that I want done today before you go swimming, Mama said. First, I want the two of you to each get a machete out of the old garage and then chop down the corn stalks in the back garden. I think that they've stopped producing, so I want to get to the stalks out of there so that I can plant a fall garden. Make sure to cut them as close to the ground as possible. Yes, ma'am, I said. What do you want us to do with the stalks? Throw them in the pasture. Lady and the cows will eat them, Mama said. Yes, ma'am, I said. Is that all? No, Mama continued. I want you to get the wheelbarrow and take it to the barn and shovel all of the rabbit manure from under the cages. Then take it to the spot where you cut the corn stalks and put it there. Make sure to get all of the manure. Yes, ma'am. I said, can we go swimming after that? Yes, Mama returned. However, we need to get you back on your school schedule, so it's bedtime at 10 o'clock. Can we check the Jerry Lewis telethon amount before we go to bed? I asked. As long as you are under the covers by 10 o'clock. Virgil and I finished our breakfast and then headed to the old garage, where we retrieved our machetes that Daddy had gotten for us last year. Have you seen the new Susan B. Anthony dollar? Virgil asked as we started walking to the garden behind the swimming pool. I have, I said. The other day I received one as change. I think the cashier thought it was a quarter and I didn't notice it until I got back home. Yeah, Virgil said. I don't think I like it too much because it looks an awful lot like a quarter. Uncle B said that they don't make the big silver dollars anymore, I began. He told me that the Susan B. Anthony dollar replaced that one. 
I like the bigger one, Virgil said. Me too, I answered. We had reached the corn rows, which were the last rows before you got to the pasture fence. How about I start cutting the stalks down, I instructed. You gather them up and go dump them over the chain link fence. I want to cut some too, Virgil replied. I'll do one row, then we'll switch. You can do the second row, I answered. Okay, Virgil reluctantly agreed. I began hewing down the corn stalks. Virgil gathered three or four in his arms and threw them over the fence into the pasture. Lady, Virgil bellowed as he whistled the notes that Gina had taught us. From back in the far corner of the pasture, Lady perked up her ears and slowly started walking towards the spot where Virgil had thrown the first set of stalks. The two cows, alerted by Lady's movements, began to amble towards the same spot. The three animals sniffed the corn stalks and then began to slowly eat them. Virgil returned to where I was and started collecting the stalks that I had cut. When I reached the end of the row, Virgil took over cutting the stalks and I started carrying them to Lady and the cows, who had filled their stomachs and had ambled towards the pond to get a drink. Virgil and I took turns cutting stalks in the third row and then worked together to collect the remaining stalks and threw them over the fence. Now what? Virgil asked. We have to go get the rabbit manure from under the cages, I said. I will go get the wheelbarrow if you'll return the machetes to the old garage and grab the two square shovels. Virgil grabbed the two machetes that we had laid on the ground as we collected the corn stalks and then headed to the old garage. I went to the pasture to get the wheelbarrow. We had used it last Saturday to collect the chicken manure from under the roost in the chicken house. Virgil and I met in the barn and began the odorous task of shoveling the rabbit manure into the wheelbarrow. When it was full, I took it to the spot where we just chopped down the corn stalks and dumped it out. I knew to spread the piles out because Daddy would till the manure into the soil in preparation for Mama's fall garden. It took all of the morning to complete both sets of chores that Mama had assigned to us. We entered the house through the utility room, and I think Mama and the girls smelled us before they saw us. Go strip out of your clothes in the backyard and rinse off with the water hose, Mom instructed. I will send out some soap and shampoo so that you can get ready for lunch. There is no need to take a full bath, especially since you're going swimming after lunch. Make sure to get completely clean because we don't want that stuff in the pool. Virgil and I retreated from the house and did as we were instructed. Charlotte appeared at the back garage door and handed us a soap bar and a bottle of shampoo. Virgil and I quickly cleaned ourselves, put on our swimsuits and a t-shirt, then we headed back inside. Mama had heated up the pot of leftover soup from last night, and the two of us ravenously ate. The next day, we all started school again. Gail was in the 12th grade, Charlotte was in the 11th grade, Virgil was in the 6th grade, and I was entering my 8th grade year. My schedule was, first period, Coach Ray for science, second period, Mr. Gilly for math, third period, Coach Smith for PE, fourth period, 
Miss Russell for journalism, fifth period, Mr. Davis for English, sixth period, Miss Walker for history. Mr. Davis's class was my favorite class for the year. At the end of my seventh grade year, a person told me that I should be excited that I get to have Mr. Davis next year for English. At the time, I didn't understand what that person meant. At the end of my eighth grade year, I fully understood. In 1979, I was lucky to have Mr. Davis enter my life, jump into my mind, and stretch it, stretch it, and then stretch it some more. Mr. Davis not only taught us the normal things that any English professor teaches, he went beyond that and taught us how to dig into songs and write verse to see what the author was really trying to say. When songs like The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald or Blackbird come across the radio, I smile and think back to those days in Mr. Davis's class. Mr. Davis was inter instrumental in introducing me to one of my favorite authors, J.R.R. Tolkien. I have read The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings trilogy over ten times. Every time I read the books, I will think of Mr. Davis as I read the prose put to paper by the author. I was amazed that J.R.R. Tolkien had so many middle names. One time, Mr. Davis told me that his real name was John Renfro McClanahan McPherson Davis. I don't know if he was kidding with me or not, but I've always remembered that. Jerry and I continued our friendship and had several classes together. Becky and I had become closer friends, but she did not share the same amorous feelings that I had for her. I still hadn't hit my growth spurt and was holding firm at five foot two inches tall. In this February of 1980, a piece of paper was sent out to all the students in eighth grade asking them to nominate a classmate for the following positions. Most beautiful, most handsome, most friendly guy, most friendly girl, most comedic guy, and most comedic girl. Nominations were collected in early February, and the next week it was announced that I was selected as most friendly guy in the 8th grade. Dina Ogman was selected as the most friendly girl. Because yearbooks were printed and distributed the last day of school, we were instructed that yearbook photos for these categories would be taken on March 12th, the week before spring break. The day arrived and I joined the other five students in Mr. Sherwinsky's office around 11 o'clock. The six of us stood in front of Mrs. Sessom's desk and awaited further instructions. Okay, Mrs. Sessom said. First of all, I need for you to be quiet. There is too much noise in here. The six of us quieted down immediately. We are going to take pictures here in the office against the wall there with the plant and between the girl and the boy, Mrs. Sessom explained. I think that we will take the most friendly pictures first. By the time that everything was set up, it was 11.30, lunchtime. As students began making their way to the cafeteria, they spotted the six of us through the large glass window that looked into the principal's office area. Dina took her position on one side of the plant, and I took my position on the other side of the plant, and we both looked at the camera. By this time, the crowd outside had swelled, 
and I felt like we were in a fishbowl being gawked at by all the other students. I think it would look nice if the two of you held hands as we took the picture, the photographer stated. I looked towards Dina, who was holding her hands out toward me. I then looked at all of the students staring at me and Dina. Starting with my ears, my entire body reddened from the embarrassment. Everyone within 10 miles knew that Dina was way out of my league and someone that only spoke to me on occasion. I reached over and grabbed Dina's hands, much to the delight of the crowd outside. At that time, I didn't know that a person could turn redder than what I already was. The benefit to all of this was that the black and white photo in the yearbook reflects a nicely tanned Wallace Gibbs standing next to Dina Ogman, who was a full six inches taller than I was. That Friday afternoon, after school, the entire Splendor ISD school system shut down for spring break. For the Gibbs kids, nothing really changed in our routine. We did our chores and mostly hung around the house. It was too cold to go swimming, so Virgil and I went on several bike rides. This concludes Episode 5 of The Rabbits by Wallace Gibbs.